You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to season two, episode two of At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Glad to have each and every one of you here with us. Uh, As always, we've got uh, Angie and Chris with me here. I'm Joel. Uh, Continuing on our conversation uh, with a series we have entitled Misquoted. So just to bring all of you up to speed, if you weren't with us last time, uh, we are walking through a sermon series that uh, Pastor Chris has entitled Misquoted. And basically, these are uh, just a series of verses and scriptures that we often hear uh, given to us that are usually... Um, in one way or another, well, they're kind of quoted out of context, or there's maybe uh, a more uh, accurate meaning behind them. And so we just want to add some clarity. So Chris, we, we talked about this last time, but just the quick review, why misquoted? Where did this come from? Uh, there was a burning in your bones and you, you had to do something about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's one way to say it. Uh, yeah, this is a series I've wanted to do for some time, and it comes out of uh, out of frustration in a lot of ways, whether I see something on social media, whether I read it in a book or I hear it um, you know, spoken publicly, uh, where Scripture is made to be something it was never intended to be. It's been misquoted. We are really good in our culture at picking out a section or a segment of of scripture, but never really taking into account the whole context of what's really being said. And a lot of times uh, we're saying something that was never, never there. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, while we are looking at specific verses in this series, we, it's really just kind of a, even kind of a working example. What we're hoping to do is example kind of a larger approach towards scripture about how to read it in its larger context uh, to kind of give some examples of that. So we hope this is helpful uh, to that regard. We're, you know, we're not trying to crush everybody's uh, uh, dreams of maybe you've got that life verse and maybe, and maybe we're mentioning your life verse on one of these episodes and you're like, I, oh no, that's not our, our intention is not to uh, take anything away, but rather to, I think, to add, to add some, some meaning and some purpose to, uh, uh, to these verses, so actually, so last week, as you uh, may or may not know, we were we went through Philippians uh, four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Really, just chopped that verse up and uh, and uh, gave it uh, well, just gave it a little bit of uh, some contextual treatment and tried to help walk through that. And we're going to continue on again this week, Chris. What is our text this week, and what? do we need to do about it? Absolutely. So this week I chose to talk on the topic of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, in particular, a very common verse. Uh, If you grew up in the church, you probably heard it this way, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Uh, Commonly translated, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. So, Angie, here's the deal. Real quick. There's a song that came into this. I don't know if you guys all know that, but behold, behold, I stand in the door and knock, knock, knock. Do you ever remember that? And you can't see it, but she's doing the motions, too, which is perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Nope. Uh, Sorry. Your wife probably is, Chris. Absolutely. So so we (laughs) do not doubt that. So uh, we were talking, Angie, we were talking about there is a there's a painting or an image that Mm -hmm. usually goes with this text. 
describe that to us because we all, we all know it. But then we were discussing some of our young people have never like have never seen this or don't know what it we is. We had this in our house. Oh, it yes. wasn't just in your dad's office, like oh, you explained. Yeah, we had this in our house when I was a kid, and I remember in my grandmother and had this. So you see Jesus in his nice long white robe yes. and his very very, very, very white American Jesus. He's looking yeah. Swedish, looking and very he has, Swedish. You know, very kind face, and his his arm is um, bent at the door, and it's knocking. It has a little peephole right in the door. Do you remember the little peephole that you could actually like see in? But there was no door handle. Oh, there was no door handle, and he's knocking. And there's some greenery around the edges, and it's a beautiful picture. But I, as we sat here and we talked about this picture. I grew up thinking it was a very evangelical evangelism tool. Like God is knocking at your door. He wants at the you heart, to- but at the heart of the unbeliever specifically, it yeah. was, "Hey, you! If you do not know Jesus yet, He's knocking at the door of your heart. Let Him in." Right, and all Christians say, "Amen." I mean, this is what we do. Jesus wants to come in, but you have to invite Him in, and when you do so, everything's great. Uh, and and he's in there for forever, you know. And and okay, now there we're going the difference between <laughs> Arminianism and Calvinism. And uh, so our Calvinistic friends, hang on, hang yes, on, you know, hang just, on, just work with us. So I so, think we have to go backwards. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in in order to understand the context of this text, uh, we need to understand where is it found in Scripture because I think that right there is a key to understanding what maybe the context might be. So this is a, a section of Scripture is found in Revelation, and in Revelation you see in chapter one. John is given a vision of the Christ. He has a vision of the Christ, and he's told, write what you see down uh, and and send it to the seven churches. And we get into that, and and, and that's a, you can listen to the sermon uh, if you want to listen to a playback about that. But um, this is found in his last church that he writes to. It's the church of Laodicea. Uh, if you grew up in the church, you go, oh, yeah, I understand about Laodicea. Uh, I know what he said to them. But I don't know that we really understand the context of what was going on in Laodicea at that particular point in time. Laodicea was actually quite a wealthy area. Uh, some some people allude to the fact that it would have been the hub of finance, a, a wealthy area, a place of banking. It would have been very self-sufficient because they had what they needed to sustain themselves as a city and weren't dependent upon the Roman Empire to bail them out of everything. Uh, they were known for their fashion. Um, a lot of different commentaries point out the fact that they were uh, in that area had this black wool that was used for clothing. It was sought after. They used it for rugs. Uh, uh, it was a very, very hip and happening place. Uh, we would picture it like modern day, some of the hubs of fashion, you know, in our in our country, probably more like a New York or L.A. Um, it would have been like a Paris, a London, those types of places. And so they were, they were on the edge. They were always the innovators when it came to fashion. Uh, we also understand that they were a hub for medicine, uh, from what we understand from history. And so basically, when you look at this, here is a a town or a little city that had everything they needed. They had the medical side of things, the finance side of things. They're on the cutting edge. People would come to them for stuff. They weren't necessarily always going out to everything else. They had what they needed. I think what we're seeing here then is this trickle through to the church as well. This mindset of, I got everything we need. Uh, the church of Laodicea, they were heavily resourced, uh, likely living very comfortable lives. And as a result, they became prideful in their ability to provide for themselves. And so uh, even it's said in, in history, we understand that there was an earthquake that they didn't have to rely on 
the Roman Empire for rebuilding uh, that area because they had everything they needed and they were self-sufficient. So I think in order, people will say, well, so what? What does that have to do with this section of Scripture being out of context? Well, I think we have to go back to that picture, that painting, and you guys alluded to it just a minute ago, of Jesus standing at the door and knocking at the heart of an unbeliever, somebody who has yet to follow Christ, And in reality, this is written to a church. This is written to a a group of people. Uh, You can even look and you can listen to the sermon. You can understand that there is a historicity to this as well, a church age uh, side of things, and that's in a prophecy type of look. But nonetheless, this is written not simply to unbelievers. This is written to followers of Jesus. And why in the world would Jesus be standing outside the heart of a follower of Jesus still asking for entrance. Yeah. And there's a, there's a real concern here, I think, ultimately to say, uh, well, maybe what we risk here, Chris, and, and tell me is that the image that Jesus, even for the believer, that Jesus still needs for certain believers or certain churches or certain communities, he still needs to be standing at that door and and knocking and because if we have this idea that like hey once we're in the church once we're once we're we're saved once we're in the club whatever it is uh we're good and apparently well yeah that's hey that's not enough let's be very very honest let's have a real hard conversation all right the american church has gotten very good at doing church. And and I said it on Sunday. If we are very honest with ourselves, if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up in our services, if the Lord does not make himself present, I'm not sure we would know it because we know how to do church. You walk in, you see some friends, you see, sing some songs, you even give back to the Lord, you listen to somebody speak for a little bit, you might go to a small group, you might go to a Sunday school class, and you go home. And there hasn't been transformation. We know how to do church. And the problem is we become so self-sufficient that I think we can do religious things without the Lord. And I think, therefore, we've left him standing outside the door asking, hey, y'all want to let me in my house? I think that um, I'm going to go back just um, uh, to a point that we said that this isn't to the unbeliever. This is to the group of people that has kind of formed a community, formed a way of life, and he's addressing them. So – one of our faults, I think, in the church, and I think, Joel, you'll agree with me, is that we don't look back oftentimes. We don't look at church history and see where or how church looked before we got here. And I think that puts us in this mindset that, well, what we're doing now is the only way to do it. And I'm, and I'm just I'm stating this to, to, what, to answer your question in a way, Chris, to say we could do church without Jesus, because this is what we do. Right. Yeah. But I think if you look back and you see how God has moved and you look in scriptures and you look at the church and you see that God's addressing the body here. Well, I I know we, before we pushed record on this, we said, hey, we're not going to get into the whole seven churches thing. (laughs) And I I understand that. 
except I'm going to for just a second, <laughs> because I think this is important to understand. So when this writing to the seven churches came out, it came out with compliments and complaints. And I think this is, is critical for us to understand when it came to Laodicea. There were a lot of complaints. You're self-sufficient. You're prideful. You're, you're this. You're that. But when it comes over to the compliment side, he says, I got nothing. Oh, ouch. Now, now, now pause for a second and think about that in the, let's go back to the American church. Let's, mm-hmm. let's say this. Hey, we got all these things going. I mean, look at our band. Look at the lights, man. We got video equipment. We've got all the, the latest audio equipment. We're sitting in a room upstairs here in our own podcast room. Yeah. Uh, we have all of these things. And yet at the same point, the Lord today can still be saying, yeah, you know, but uh, let me give you some compliments here. We would compliment ourselves. And I think there's a lot of times the Lord's looking around going, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy. I mean, depending on what we've defined as quote unquote success, you know, spiritual success, church success, um, are are we using the same? And I know, like, I know all of us sitting at this table, ask ourselves this question, ask our ministries this question. Um, Do we even have the right scorecard? Are we, are we, you know, are we guiding, uh, are yeah. Are we allowing space for God to really say, Hey, uh, you, you got all this other, you got all these things going for you from your perspective, but ultimately at the end of the day, Hey, I'm still needing to stand outside the door of your, of your community and knock. And will you hear my voice? Will you let me in? Will you let me maybe mess some things up and challenge some things? Um, I, because I have to say, I just, I don't know what it would be like sometimes if Jesus attended my church, right? Like what, right. what that would do. Joel, you said it well. Um, you're not sure we have the right scorecard. And, and I'll speak to that really clearly because I think our scorecard has been, all right, so we need to be big. We need to grow. We need to look successful as a church. We need to have the right amount of people. The people in our community need to be able to say, hey, that's the church I go to right there. Uh, and so therefore our scorecard is what's that church doing? What's that church doing? How's that church doing this? In, in essence, it's become marketing. Yeah. How's this church marketing? And the scorecard isn't, Jesus, what do you want? What mm-hmm. do you want us to look like? And so we aren't measuring things correctly. I, I'm sure back in the day I went to several conferences that were speaking to those to those things, right? Like I know for us as a team, we're much more drawn now to the like – I feel like the things that we're going to or trying to pay attention to are – and not to pat ourselves on the back. I think it's more of a reaction of like – I think I've wasted some serious time in looking to outside resources of like how do we how do we improve budget how do we improve building how do we improve uh, audio visual this that or the other uh, now and I will and I, by the way I will credit our uh, family ministry pastor for for a lot of this uh, having having the conversation of hey how can we uh, if we are looking to improve in areas let us look to improve like in the area of, of like formation, uh, changed heart. Uh, uh, Angie, Angie, in a very non-fire and brimstone way, uh, yells the word repentance a lot around here. <laughs> Confession and repentance. And I just, I mean, obviously, Angie, those things are important to you for a reason because you're, I think it's you're, you're seeing things or you're addressing things because of that. Uh, why instead of bigger budgets, bigger buildings, uh, more lights, more whatever. Why, instead of that, 
is are are words like confession and repentance on on your mind because those are because those by the way that's very much the the vein of a lot of this discussion to the again not to over uh, harp on the uh, the seven churches thing but that is at the heart of much of what is said hey you're going this way repent go this way what why important to you well joel even as i was um reading through this and prepping on my Monday to get through to my Tuesday. And um, in all this, I wrote down this quote because I believe this is an understanding of what you're asking, that there is no revival and no renewal, even change. There's no change without repentance because repentance is an understanding of who we are in the view of who God is. Mm. And when we actually come to full repentance, and unfortunately, this is one of the things we do not talk about, this whole idea of confession. What was it, what was said in the Lord's Prayer? I mean, what did Jesus say? This is how you pray. Right, yep. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for how I transgressed to others. It's not necessarily, um, Lord, help me do this. Help me be this. Help me do, you know, like that's kind of our everyday prayer. Put a hedge of protection. protection. Yeah. yeah. All the little things. Help me be a better me. <laughs> <clears throat> right. Yeah. But right. And I say this because when like one of my um, really big, um, I guess you could say aha moments was when I realized that, you know, God, he doesn't necessarily want all my doing. Mm. He wants my being. Mm. And the only way that I am in being with him and, and setting with him is if I have right relationship with him, correct? And so how do I have right relationship with him? Does it just, a you know, that door handle wasn't there. He's knocking. Yeah. The door handle's gone on his side. Yeah. I think confession and repentance is part of the opening of that door. Yeah. And what, and, and, and again, it's like, uh, yeah, the the desire of in light of confession, in light of repentance, what is what is what does Christ say? I'll come in and and not uh not chastise you, not uh not just give you a pat on the back and say, Okay, way to way to get your act together, but rather he he eats with us. He he sits down and, and shares a meal with us and enters into Actual transformative, meaningful, meaningful community. And Chris, didn't you you like kind of like outlined the the meal, the the table uh, uh, image a little a little bit? Did you not? I'm just I was cheating on the notes and looking. Why? I mean, what does it mean really for for Jesus to? Okay, so once he enters the door, if if we'll let him in, what does he want to accomplish? What what is what is he really? What is he really doing if those of us that are, because as we've said, those of us that are in the church, if we will open that door, hear his voice, make that, make that decision. Uh, Cause Angie, you've, you've uh, talked to some of that. What, what is the hope? What is the goal? What is the, the outcome um, of Christ's work within us fo- following that? What is a, what does a more faithful church look like that's opening the door? repenting uh saying things like because i because I, I thought re, i've thought recently even what what does it look like for churches to have like a 
a practice of repentance, right? Like collectively, you know, I think us low church, us low church folks, like if I now go to high church stuff, there's like, there's a time in the service where I will be down on my knees and I will be saying, Lord, forgive me for, uh, the things that I have done and the things that I have left undone, you know, both, both of those things. Uh, do you guys have, I don't know. Do you just, I'm just throwing that out there. Like if you have thoughts about like on the practical side, what is it? What does it look like us for collectively? I think Jesus longs to have a relationship with us. And this is where we have to capture our view of God. What is our view of God? Uh, if you go back when he's talking about all the complaints, he says, I want to spit you out of my mouth. I think you're lukewarm. But the beauty is he doesn't stay there because he isn't just like, I'm done with you. Right? He goes on, and then in verse 20, he says, Here I am, I stand at the door, and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. I want to have a relationship with you. He just got done saying, I got nothing good for you, but I still desire to, to be with you. Uh, I pointed out that just like in the American culture, uh, we have different words for the meals. We, we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, and so did they. They had f- three different ways of saying it. But just like in many, uh, many other cultures, I think you see this in Italy. You see this in, in some places like London. You see this definitely in Hispanic cultures where the dinner meal is really highly relational. The dinner meal may take a couple hours, but it's just a family time. You're sitting around having conversations. You're getting to to know each other. You want to know how the day went. What are your struggles? I want to know you. And, and the word used here for eat is the word that points to, I want to have dinner with you. I want to have this meal with you where I sit down and I understand you. And I think that's a beautiful picture. I got all these complaints against you. What in the world are you doing? Get your act together. But hey, if you let me in, I want to have a relationship mm-hmm. with you. I think that's so beautiful to see him say, like, he's kind of being this like a father figure yeah. saying, okay, I'm going to give you some instructions. You're doing this wrong. But the the child, yeah. us as, as the believer, as the church, as his bride has to turn. We have to recognize our lack of and our mistakes and our indifference and the things that we choose not to do just because we want to do it our way. And he still says, okay, you make those changes guess what? I'm still here. I want to yeah. have that relationship with you. And I'm not leaving you just to figure it out on your own. I'm going to actually come in. I'm going to sit down and yeah. I'm going to have a conversation. That's not just a, Hey, you're here. You're good. Do you think part of the irony in even him saying in him saying this is like, uh, by the way, did you notice that I'm not sitting with you at your like, Hey church, did you notice I'm not sitting <laughs> I'm not at your here. table? Like, uh, Shouldn't that have not been like a oh. slight, you know, like a slight warning there? Like, ooh, like, oh, Jesus was missing. Oh gosh, oh. Uh, Wait, who's sitting at the table then? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Who have we made? And now, so there's your next. There's, I know we got it. We got who have we made room for at the table? Who's at who's at the head of our table? That's that's what I. That's I think I we have know. some future weeks that we'll talk about yeah. those kind of conversations. Yeah. But yeah. right here, I think Jesus is saying, like you said, Chris, I want a relationship. I want to walk with you. But there is a requirement on us as the believer. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I actually like if you go back and study the seven churches that at the end of each segment of churches that have been written to, uh, it is said this, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I think that's really, really critical. You want to know, in my opinion, I know I've been hard on the American church, um, but I think there's plenty to be hard on. Uh, I think that the church has gotten self-sufficient. And here's what I know. 
when the leaders, when the church stops hearing the voice of the Lord, the church is in trouble. And I'm not even sure that we haven't drifted so far away that we don't even realize anymore that Jesus isn't sitting at the table or how deep of trouble we are in. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it's, you know, it's kind of to that point, though, that it comes back to relationship. And so I say this, it can come like this is a overall like to a, a message to the church. But then there's the message to me. Mm-hmm. And how do we change one person at a time? You know, I think this goes back to the picture, the famous painting, right? You guys have alluded to the fact that it doesn't have a doorknob. Jesus isn't forcing his way in. And so that requires us individually to open the door and give him permission to come in. Uh, he isn't going to force his way in. But when we give him permission, we realize that we're the ones that are responsible for letting him in. And if we get to the point where uh, even as individuals, if we do the part of letting him in and letting him transform and change our lives, then corporately as a body of believers, it becomes more natural for that to happen. And then we become more dependent on him as a body of believers. But we have to individually start granting him permission into our lives. Can you, Y'all, you who are listening, I mean, I don't know what church you go to. This isn't a walk EMC thing. If we would really get to the point where we are serious about our faith in Jesus Christ, he can change and transform us in powerful ways, ways we wouldn't even believe. We just have to determine that that's what's going to happen, and I think that's the other thing. We have to want to change. I'm not—hear me on this, and and I'm dead serious. I'm not sure we want to change. I really, at the end of the day, I think we go, yeah, I I like Jesus. I'm not sure I love Jesus. I mean, I love what he's done for me, and I love, and I can't wait for heaven, and then I'm going to get really serious about him then. But right now, I kind of like him. I like, I'm grateful for him, but I don't love him. He's a good dude. Mm -hmm. Good dude. (laughs) And you know, I, and I'm only going, I'm going to bring this up because I don't even know if we have the proper view of what that success looks like and what that definition is because it might be to in our minds well i that means i have a a wonderful family that's all put together and i have a great job and i have the perfect house and we have all these things but i think it takes us back to the previous uh, misquoted text Mm -hmm. is that whether we are in want or in plenty i will be content because I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. So it goes back to that idea of, you know, we're not self-sufficient. We we can't, I guess you could say, expect God to do what we think is success in our minds when we're looking for this kind of change in our lives. Completely. I mean, this is there's a whole other jump off oh, point. That's a like whole other a whole other podcast. podcast but yeah. but here's the deal: what our parents pursuing today. They want their kids to look put together. They want their kids to be athletic. I mean, I grew up in an athletic family. I have an athlete. Uh, we want them. We want to do the best. We invest. We invest. We invest. We invest. We invest. And then they get in their 20s and they walk away from the Lord. We go, I don't know how this happened. I have no idea how this happened. We just consume ourselves with them wanting to to, to follow and pursue all these other things. But we, I'm not sure we want to change enough that at the end of the day, spiritually, and the things that matter the most uh, are a priority in their life. We, uh, I, 
I know it's been true for me, and I can I can just about guarantee that if you will legitimately invite Jesus in, He's going to mess some things up. Like it's, good, it's going to get messy, and going, relationships are messy. Yeah. And but God is actually the cleaner upper. Yeah, he will, he will. He will. He uh, will do what He has said He will do. He will accomplish. He will accomplish good things. Um, and uh, for those of you listening, I, I, I just. I think it can't be said enough that that uh, we let's just not make assumptions. Let's not make assumptions that, hey, we're on a you know we've put it on cruise control. We are we are headed in this direction. We're doing the things. We're checking things off the list off our kind of our spiritual uh, list and of of to dos or whatever. Uh, complacency that way is just a, such a dangerous thing. It can numb us to Christ wanting to enter into deeper places in our in our life. Um, we, we, we do not receive perfection until the other side of heaven. And, uh, we always have more to grow in more to learn in. Um, and, and that's the beautiful thing. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that this, this journey is not over until it's over. And, uh, those are, those are promises that, that Jesus makes to us and what he, what he offers us. So as we button this thing up for today in this um, second podcast, I think we have to keep in mind a couple of things. Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. We have to do the part in giving him permission to come in. I believe he wants to transform our lives. He wants to change us. That's But it's painful. And the reality is I think too many of us, when it gets painful, we say, you know what, that's, that's enough for me. I'm not willing uh, to let him go all in on me. And so the question really becomes, what do we do? And here's a picture of Jesus standing at the door of a follower saying, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they will eat with me. But here's the really big question, and I think the question that we leave you with today is this. Will you truly, genuinely let him in? Will you fall in love with Jesus and not simply fall in like with Jesus? Amen and amen. Friends, thanks for joining us again uh, for this episode. Uh, as always, we just remind you we are here every Thursday dropping a new episode. Um, we'll be working through this misquoted series for uh, for a few more weeks, and then we've got uh, good things we're looking forward to ahead as we um, enter a uh, season uh, toward Easter because Easter is well for us, especially for us church folks here. It's, it's always just around the corner. It feels like it's always it's always coming, but. We, uh, we're just so grateful that you're joining us. Just want to remind you um, over at walkiemc.org, we've got uh, a lot of resources there. If you want to make uh, connect with us in any sort of way, if you want to connect with our, with our Sunday sermons or, or get in touch with us, that's a great place to start. Uh, but, yeah, feel free to like, to share. Um, uh, these, uh, these episodes want to be of help and a benefit to you. So until we see you next week, we wish you grace and peace. Take care. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting wakimc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.